Chapter 19 of Treachery in Outer Space by Carrie Rockwell. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 19 Never mind Manning, shouted Quint Miles as he jumped past Roger's body. We've got to find Corbett. Take the starboard ladder. I'll take the port. Search all the way aft to the exhaust tubes, if you have to. Ross nodded quickly, hefted his ray gun, and moved down the opposite ladder. Tom watched both of them come down like twin devils, hands holding the ray guns as steady as rocks. The cadet hid behind the open door leading to the lower cargo holds. Ross was the nearer of the two, walking like a cat, slowly, ready to spring or fire at the slightest movement. Tom quickly saw that if he jumped Ross, Quint would be on him in seconds. His only chance lay in their passing him, giving him the opportunity to return to the control deck and search for a ray gun for himself. And if that failed, at least he could call Commander Walters. Ross crept closer. Tom crouched tensely. Should Ross see him, Tom would have to make an attempt to knock him out and get the ray gun before Quint could do anything. "'Careful, Quint,' called Ross as he moved toward the open hatch. "'You too,' replied his brother. "'This kid is plenty smart.' Tom breathed a silent prayer. Ross was now opposite the door. Should the black-suited spaceman decide to look behind it, Tom would be at his mercy. Ross stopped beside the door and hesitated a moment. "'Hey, Ross!' Quint called, and Ross turned away from the door. I think I hear something down inside the hold. Slip down the ladder a little way and cover me. I'll go down inside and look around. He must be down there somewhere, and if you guard the door, he can't get out. Ross grinned. Like flushing quail in Venus jungles, he said moving away from the door and down into the hold, where the lead boxes filled with uranium pitchblend were stored. Tom could scarcely suppress a loud sigh of relief at his narrow escape. After a moment, he peered cautiously around the edge of the door, and, seeing the way clear to the control deck, ran back to the ladder. He paused at Roger's inert form and bent over, his lips close to the paralyzed cadet's ear. I'm going to try to find a ray gun, he whispered quickly. If I can't, then I'm going to try and get in touch with Commander Walters or the Solar Guard patrols. He patted the blonde-haired cadet on the shoulder and raced up the ladder to the control deck. Once inside, he barred the door to the rest of the ship and began a frantic search of the many lockers and drawers. But it was fruitless. He could find no ray gun or weapon of any kind. Desperate, knowing that Ross and Quint would return to the control deck when they had searched the rest of the ship, Tom turned and scrambled up the ladder to the radar deck. Again, barring the door behind him, he sat before the audioceiver and began calling the Polaris. This is Cadet Corbett aboard rocket ship Space Knight in Quadrant 4, Chart C for Charlie. 
Corbett aboard Starship Space Knight in Quadrant 4, Chart C for Charlie. Come in, Commander Walters. Come in. Tom spun the dials on the audio receiver desperately, ranging over every circuit and repeating his cry. This is Cadet Corbett. I am being held prisoner with Cadet Roger Manning aboard the spaceship Space Knight in Space Quadrant 4, Chart C for Charlie. Suddenly, the hum of the generators stopped, and the glow of the tubes in the audio receiver died. Without a second's hesitation, Tom spun around and lunged for the door leading back to the control deck. They must have shut off the power, he decided. When they didn't find me down below, they guessed that I came this way. He raced through the control deck and down the ladder to the starboard companionway, if he could only get to the ship alongside. He chided himself for not thinking of it before, and darted toward the airlock that coupled the two ships together in space. He turned a corner in the companionway and saw the door to the coupling chamber ahead. It was open. He dashed inside. "'Greetings, Corbett!' sneered Ross Miles. He stood just inside the doorway, the ray gun leveled at Tom. "'We figured you'd get around to thinking about the other ship sooner or later,' said Quint behind him, jamming the ray gun in his back. "'So we just came here and waited for you.' "'Go get the other one, Quint,' said Ross. Jerking Tom sideways into the coupling chamber, he rammed his gun into the curly-haired cadet's stomach. "'I'll get this guy fixed aboard the other ship.' and then set the firing chambers so they'll blow up. "'What are we going to do with Manning?' asked Quint. "'We'll figure that out later. Hurry up. Corbett probably called the Solar Guard.' "'That's right, I did, Miles,' said Tom. "'They're probably closing in on you right now.' "'Is that so?' snarled Quint. Well, it's too bad you won't be alive to say hello to them. I want every pound of thrust you have on that power deck, Astro, rode Commander Walters into the intercom. We just received word from a freighter that picked up an SOS from Tom aboard the Space Knight. Steve Strong and Kit Barnard sat in the pilot and co-pilot's chairs on the control deck of the Polaris, and watched the needle of the accelerometer climb as Astro poured on the power in answer to Walters's command. "'If I know Astro,' said Strong, "'you'll probably get the fastest ride you've ever had short of hyperdrive, Kit.' Kit Barnard gulped as he watched the needle. "'I see what you mean,' he said. Walters strode up and down the deck behind the two veteran spacemen, a scowl on his face. "'By the stars!' he rumbled. This is the most incredible thing I've run up against in all my years in space. He paced up and down several times silently to think that two men could, would, jeopardize the safety and lives of thousands of people for a, a uranium mine. It's beyond my comprehension. Excuse me, sir, said Sid, Kit Barnard's young assistant, coming down the radar bridge ladder. This report just came in from Titan Spaceport Control. Walters took the message and read it quickly. He grunted and handed it to Strong. They found the mine and the leak, he 
he said. The screens are working again. Then you'll call off the evacuation operations, sir? asked Strong. Right. Walters turned to Sid. Son, send a message back to Titan Control and tell Captain Howard to stop all evacuations as soon as he has enough oxygen to provide for the citizens of Titan and then stand by for a general order to all units in this area. Yes, sir, said Sid, climbing back up to the radar bridge quickly. The three men on the control deck fell silent as the ship hurtled through space. Each of them prayed silently for Tom and Roger's safety. On the power deck below, Astro opened every valve and adjusted the firing chambers to their emergency maximum, forcing the giant ship faster and faster through space. And when he had done all he could, he paced up and down the deck, snapping a greasy wiping rag against his thigh again and again. His face showed the concern he felt for Tom and Roger, and at the same time there was a questioning look in his eye. The auxiliary loudspeaker of the audioceiver overhead spluttered with static. He stopped to listen. This is Lieutenant Fraser aboard the Solar Guard cruiser Hydra to Commander Walters, crackled an unfamiliar voice. Come in, Commander Walters. Estro stared at the loudspeaker and held his breath. This is Walters on the Polaris. Go ahead, Fraser. I am in command of a squadron of ships on space maneuvers in Quadrant 5, sir. Shall I abandon my orders and proceed under your general emergency alert to search Quadrant 4? How many ships do you have with you, Lieutenant? asked Walters. Three heavy cruisers and a rocket destroyer, sir, replied the voice across the gulf of space, and I am fully armed, sir. Proceed to Quadrant 4, Lieutenant and seized the vessel's space night. There was a pause, and then Astro's blood ran cold as he heard the words, and if necessary, open fire. On the control deck, Captain Strong turned to Walters quickly. But Tom and Roger, sir, he protested. Commander Walters glared at Strong and turned back to the audioceiver. Proceed to Quadrant 4, he said coldly. Seize the vessel's space night. And if there is any resistance, open fire. Did you hear that? yelled Quint on the control deck of the Space Knight. I heard, replied Ross grimly. With a whole squadron sweeping this quadrant, we won't make it. What are we going to do? asked Quint. We're staying right here. What? Right here, said Ross. Get Corbett off the other ship and set the fuses in the firing chambers to blow up after we cast off. But I don't see. Don't ask questions, snapped Russ. Do as I tell you. Okay. Quince spun away and headed for the coupling locks that held the two ships together. Russ turned back to the ladder and flipped his ray gun on neutralizing charge releasing Roger from the effects of the Perello ray. The blonde-haired cadet staggered to his feet shakily. Where's Tom? he said, clenching his teeth to keep them from rattling. If you've done anything to him... Take it easy, Manning, growled Ross. Just get up on the control deck and behave. 
Roger glared at the spaceman, and realizing it would be useless to jump him in his weakened condition, started up the ladder. Ross followed at a careful distance. A few minutes later, Quint appeared on the control deck, forcing Tom ahead of him. All right, he growled. What do I do now? Did you cast off the other ship? asked Ross, and when Quint nodded, he jerked his head toward Tom and Roger and barked, Cover them! As Quint stood before the two cadets, his gun leveled, Ross strode to the audio receiver and flipped it on. This is Quint Miles to Commander Walters aboard the Polaris, he called. Come in, Walters. Tom and Roger looked at each other, puzzled. If you can hear me, Walters, this is Quint Miles. I'm surrendering to you, and you alone. Call off your squadrons and come alongside in the Polaris, by yourself. If you hear me, Walters, you better do what I say, or you'll never see Manning and Corbett again. He flipped the audio receiver off and grinned at his brother. When Walters comes aboard, he's going to get a nice surprise. Like what? demanded Tom. Russ grinned wickedly, looking very much like the devil incarnate. You heard Walters' order to open fire, didn't you? he said. It seems that space cadets aren't worth much as hostages. But what do you think it will be like with a full-fledged commander in our hands, eh? And a rocket cruiser like the Polaris to run around in. You wouldn't dare kidnap Commander Walters, exclaimed Tom. Oh, no, Ross laughed. Listen, punk, with a murder charge hanging over our heads and a couple of million credits worth of pitch blend in the holds, both of us would do anything, and don't you forget it. He turned to his brother. Come on over here, Quint, and I'll tell you what we're going to do. When the two spacemen were out of earshot, Tom turned to Roger. How do you feel, Roger? As if I'm going to shake myself apart, replied the radar deck cadet, his teeth still chattering from the effects of the Perello ray. Well, just hold on a little bit longer, boy, because the next few minutes might spell the difference between getting out of here and... Tom was cut off by a sudden blast from the loudspeaker of the audio receiver. This is Commander Walters, came a clear voice. I accept your proposal, Miles, but I warn you, if anything has happened to those boys... No, Commander, yelled Tom. It's a trap. You will suffer for it, the voice continued. No use, Tom, said Roger. The set was only on reception. The two boys looked at each other and then across the control deck to the grinning faces of the twins, Quint and Ross Miles. End of chapter 19